Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. Amen. Uh, We're going to get a new projector, but I don't know if we need one when uh, the fire of God is in your heart this morning. Praise God. He's moving. Hey, we are so glad that you're here today, and we love to hear from uh, a lot of different leaders and communicators here as a part of our uh, church family, and so I am so excited uh, for you to all hear uh, from our good friend Ryan this morning. He's going to be bringing God's word for us, and... um, Ryan has been a part of our church family for quite some time now, been a part of nonprofit leadership here in the city of Des Moines as well, and is just a man after God's own heart that loves the word of God. And so we are so grateful to have so many different leaders and communicators in the body of Christ. That's the way that the body should work. It's not about one or two people. It's about the body of Christ at work. Amen. So that's why we're here. So with that, uh, would you give a warm New Year's welcome to Ryan Kalisar? Yeah. Happy New Year. I think with worship like that, you kind of just got to go home, right, afterwards? (laughs) Like, what do I need to preach? It's already been preached. Uh, This morning, I'm just really just excited about this word. I feel like it's been a word that's been spoken to me the entire year, and unfortunately, you get to hear it, so (laughs) this morning, but it's, I believe it's a timely word. It's God's, God's word. My name is Ryan Kalasar. Here's a quick bio for you. I am Indian, dot, not feather. <laughs> I was born in South America, immigrated to the United States in the late 80s, my family with $150 for four people. Found Jesus when I was 11 years old. Actually, he found me. I converted from Hinduism, and I've been serving him since. And thankfully, yeah, appreciate that. Thankfully, as I've been following him, it's been quite a ride. Uh, I even went to the cemetery, I mean the seminary, and got a (laughs) pastoral degree. So I've served as a pastor as well as nonprofits. So I am an ordained pastor, and uh, if there's anything here, blame the seminary on that. Uh, I am married uh, to my wonderful wife, 16 years going on. Yeah. Renee's here somewhere, um, and our three kids, uh, Liliana, Lorelai, and Louis. So there you go. There you have it. Uh, I, it's, it I love my family, um, but more, more than anything else, I love the family of God. Amen. The family of God's been something for me that I've, I've gone through so many different things with the family of God. I, I've seen churches fall apart. I've seen pastors and leadership completely do things that are so far out of God's will. I've had the church hate me. I've had the church want to get rid of me. 
and I still love it. Because I think the only reason that I can love is because he first loved me. And so some of you today, if anything you hear this morning, you were loved because he first loved you. So we're going to be talking about waiting. And I, I, I think of a fat, you guys play baseball, fat pitches. You know what a fat pitch is? It's the one that's right down the middle, and all you got to do is swing. You don't even have to swing hard. And Pastor Brian and Pastor John laid it out last week. So if you were at, at any of the New Year's Eve services, they started it up about what are you waiting for, right? This Advent season, right? This expectation, this waiting. What are you waiting for, right? This expectation of waiting for something. But we could also spin the question of, well, what are you waiting for, right? Not what are you waiting for, but what are you waiting for? And as we dive in today, I want to look at that and I want you to ponder that question, what am I waiting for? What am I waiting for? So let's talk about waiting. We've all been to restaurants, right? We, we go to restaurants and what do we do? We expect to receive what we came there for, right? We expect to receive atmosphere, ambiance, attitude, well, good attitude, <laughs> and even more so what you ordered, right? We've been waiting for someone. Waiting in line. It's all part of life, right? Waiting is part of life. It's an uncomfortable part of life, but it is part of life. But the, the thing is that they have all in common, what waiting has in common, it, it is results that are dependent on the reputation of what you're waiting for and who you're waiting for. Sometimes, though, we get disappointed. <laughs> this isn't what I ordered. This looks nothing like the picture in the menu. You said five minutes. I think Disneyland has this great, great place the way, if you've ever been to Disneyland, they tell you 50 minutes and 10 minutes later you're there, right? They've gotten the waiting thing down. Things don't turn out the way that we expect them. Isn't that the thing about waiting? There's a writer that says this, waiting and even more so that P word, patiently, Patience is difficult because it requires us to acknowledge our limitations. The message that we can control every aspect of our lives comes at us loud and clear, especially today, but it just isn't true, is it? We don't have control over the wait, but we got to wait. So let me ask you this in the question, what are you waiting for? This one kind of stings for me a little bit. A new job, or even a job. I got laid off just before Thanksgiving. Thank you. Maybe you're waiting on a relationship. Will they commit already? Will they forgive me already? Will they take the first steps already? Because I don't want to take them. Maybe I'm waiting for a purpose. Maybe you are waiting for a purpose. Maybe, maybe I've met people that are just waiting to die. I have no purpose, so I'm waiting to die. There's nothing else there for me. Maybe they're waiting for answers to questions that seem so clouded. Maybe you're waiting for a breakthrough in your finances. I'm tired of living paycheck to paycheck. Will there ever be room and a cushion for me? Maybe you're waiting for a diagnosis. 
Perhaps a second opinion? Maybe you're waiting on a miracle or a move of God. If you're real, show me. If you're there, let me know that you're there. I'm friends, I'm telling you this morning, he's letting you know he's there. Maybe it's a new season, a new year, a complete redo. Where's that reset button? Well, it's here. Whatever the weight is, do not let the weight of your waiting wreck the way you think about and look at Jesus. Waiting can have so much weight upon your shoulders and it can wreck everything. That your perspective, you know what happens when weight is upon your shoulders? What happens to your posture? You slouch and your eyes go down and you look away. I'm telling you, do not let the weight of your waiting wreck the way you look at Jesus. So as we look at today's passage, I want to offer the same perspective that I've been walking through this entire year and this season. Because Jesus is present now, as Pastor Brian and Pastor John talked about, he is here. Because he is present now, your waiting doesn't have to be the same. And I'm going to step in boldly and tell you the waiting game is over because of Jesus. All right, some of you are taking a while to catch up on that one. All right. We've gone through the Bible this entire year. And if you look through the Bible this entire year, maybe you've seen this particular topic, subject. Maybe you've seen people got to wait. But let me show you how God has been working through waiting. Sarah and Abraham. You read through Genesis. What were they waiting for? Well, they were waiting for offspring, land, and blessing. Joseph. Some of you are probably feeling like Joseph. He was waiting for redemption. Moses, in the Exodus, he was waiting for, specifically, he and God's people, salvation and freedom. Hannah, here's this little lady, has a powerful story because she's mentioned in here. She was waiting on a son. Who did she get? Samuel. There's David. Man, I don't know how many times I've gone to David and asked... Brother, what have you been waiting? <laughs> Stepping in. But what was he waiting for? He was waiting for the throne. He was promised king, and what ends up happening? He flees for so many years, decades, for the promised throne. Book of Job. You read through Job? Job was waiting for restoration. How about Israel? Pretty much just say the entire Old Testament. <laughs> They were waiting for salvation. They were waiting for redemption. They were waiting for freedom. They were waiting for God to show up. How about the believers at Pentecost? What did Jesus tell them to go do? Go wait. (laughs) Wait till I come. Well, no, not wait till I come. Wait till I come in power through the Holy Spirit. Purpose and power was what they were waiting on. See, for God, waiting is nothing. One day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day to God. For him, waiting is nothing. See, what's so beautiful about God, and this is the thing that makes me just tremble, but just go in awe. God holds eternity past, 
present, and future all in his hands. He is in all of it simultaneously. So everything that is history and everything is in the future and where you are standing here, he's in it all. See, it's not us who's waiting on the Lord to catch up. It's God who's waiting for us to catch up. He's already in the moment. He's waiting on you. So let's look at Simeon and Anna. Anytime you see names mentioned, especially in the New Testament around Jesus, pay attention to what's going on with them. Because there's a reason that they weren't part of the crowd. These were people that were named. Simeon, right? He is this righteous and devout follower of Jesus. What's amazing about Simeon is that he is this old man, right? Nothing wrong with being old. But there was an assurance in what he had. Imagine being told a promise that you would not see death until Jesus comes in your life. But in your waiting, you get older. Wrinkles become a thing. White hair becomes a reality. Or in my case, you lose it. Your body starts telling you things differently. You start to slow down. You see young ones mature. The world changes around you, and yet everything else, it still seems the same, doesn't it? Imagine being that guy. But what does it say about this man and his relationship to God? Well, if you look in the text, it says that the Holy Spirit led him. He was with Simeon, and Simeon remained faithful because he trusted in God's faithfulness. Now we have this prophetess, Anna. This little lady that was only married for a few years and remained devout and worshiping the rest of her life as a widow. She too experienced life passing her by, but what did she do? She worshiped, she fasted, she prayed, she praised. What do they have in common? They were waiting, right? They were waiting waiting for something, waiting for someone. But here's the thing is about what they were doing. They were waiting expectantly. There's a difference between waiting impatiently and waiting expectantly. The difference is between your hands. Expectantly, impatiently. Expectantly, impatiently. An open fist, an open hand is a posture to do what? Receive. (laughs) It is to receive. It's a posture of invitation. It specifically reaches out, and it is with the Holy Spirit. I am waiting expectantly for something. A closed fist is a posture of control. You are holding on to that thing that you want, but you can't receive it until you let it go. It's closed off. I'm going to do this on my own. Well, there are three words that I'm using the ESV, so they may not be here in the NLT, but ESV uses three words that I think sums up Simeon and Anna, what they were waiting for expectantly. The first one is this word consolation. Consolation means this, comfort in times of disappointment, grief, 
but it's also encouragement. Now, for you scholars out there, it shares the same root as a theological term that's used for the Holy Spirit, paraclete. All right, coming alongside. Here's what Isaiah says before Jesus. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her her sad days are gone and her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice all over all her sins. God punished her. But look what he is. Comfort, comfort. Comes alongside. See, what they were waiting for is that God would ultimately pardon their sin and turn from his wrath. So Isaiah goes on to say this, sing for joy, O heavens, rejoice, O earth, burst into song, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on them in their suffering. Look through the eyes of Simeon and Anna, look through your eyes of waiting, consolation. Here's the promise is that Jesus is the totality of God's consolation for us all. He is the totality of God's comfort. Here's the second word, salvation. Salvation is one of those interesting words. It's not just about afterlife. Here's what salvation means, especially in the New Testament. It includes a restoration to state of safety, soundness, health, and well-being, as well as a preservation from danger of destruction. Now, some of us are hoping and waiting to die so salvation can be an experience, but we completely miss the availability now. Oh, you didn't hear that. You are waiting for life insurance, and you are waiting to cash that check out in the afterlife, but the promise is assurance right now in Jesus. Jesus isn't just giving you life insurance. He's offering you assurance of life restored now. Friends, Jesus is the totality of God's salvation for us all. Now, here's that third word, redemption. This is an interesting word, redemption. The experience of being liberated from an oppressive situation. Isaiah says this. Let the ruins of Jerusalem break into joyful song, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. Anna is talking about the redemption of Jerusalem. She is, is it possible she's looking back to what Isaiah was saying, speaking forward? Friends, Jesus is the totality of God's redemption for us all. He is the comfort, he is the saving grace, and he is the one that restores his consolation leads us to his salvation. His salvation is guaranteed by his redemption. The work that he did on the cross, the fact that he is here now, is the fact that we have full assurance and guarantee. Well, come back to Simeon and Anna. In the words of Isaiah, these two mature believers waiting, waiting, waiting. Waiting in the least expected place, right? I want you to know something. 
They were waiting for the Lamb of God. They didn't even know that the Lamb of God was coming into their presence at the moment. But look at before the passage of Simeon and Anna. It talks about his parents, Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, bringing Jesus to dedication. And it says that they had two turtle doves. Now, you would gloss over two turtle doves and say, oh, big deal. It, you know, it's a pigeon. That's what it looks like. It's a Cornish game hen, right? I mean, it's, it's nothing. One, it shows how broke they were because they could not afford a spotless lamb. Two, they had the lamb all along. Oh, come on. They were bringing the lamb. They didn't even know they were bringing the pure spotless lamb. And Anna and Simeon are stepping into this moment. Isaiah speaks, have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weary, weak, or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strengthens the powerless. Oh, this gets even better. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. Well, if young people are doing it, what's it say about old people? But those that trust in the Lord, oh, come on. Those that trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not go faint. Simeon and Anna are thinking through the lens of their waiting. Not what am I waiting for, but what, what am I waiting for? I'm stepping into the moment because Jesus is here. He's present. Now, here's a fun little exercise we're going to do. Take your right hand. Take your left hand. You're going to take your left hand and open it up. You're going to take your right hand and you're going to put your thumbs up and close the fist. You're going to put it in your hand. Hold it there. For those of you that may know American Sign Language, what is this for? Help. help. Benefit and help. When an open hand meets a closed fist, the open hand holds the closed fist. Oh. When the open hand holds the closed fist, God is working out. God is going to work out your worry. God is going to work out your weariness. He's going to work out your waffling. He's going to work out your waywardness. He's going to work out your woes. He's going to work out your weakness. He's going to work out the wants that are to bring you through. You're waiting. He is going to help you through. Help. Help. This is the American Sign Language for not only benefit, but it is help. When God's open hand meets your closed fist, he's going to help you through your waiting. But what just happens if we actually open up our fist? Huh? What happens if we take our closed fist and we open it up to his open hand? What does that look like? It's a relationship. This is a relationship. When you change your perspective in waiting to say, I need help, 
to this, I want to receive. It no longer is about God holding you up in this. It's about God holding you with this as you were walking hand in hand. He wants to hold your hand. He wants them to come together. We are held up by his relationship. So this is all great and great, right? Great, great, grand, wonderful. What do we do with this? I spoke to you about this entire year has been this message of waiting. And the word that I had from God this year, for this year specifically, was pursue me. Now, I'm speaking to myself, so if this happens to be something for you, praise God. But he tells me, pursue him. Pursue him. Simeon's example was about pursuit because he was a righteous and devout man. Anna's example was about pursuit because she stayed and worshiped. She fasted. She glorified God in this. Pursue him like if your life is depending on it because it is. Pursue him expeditiously because you don't know when the next opportunity is going to come. The urgency about pursuit is now. Now, what do we do about pursuit? Well, for you Bible readers out there, you can take a picture of this or you can jump into it. But let's look into this. What is pursuit? Matthew 6.33, what does God say? Seek the kingdom above God, of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Pursuit. Pursuit leads you to a purpose. A purpose says this, Psalm 57.2, I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. Jeremiah 29.11, what does that say? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. The pursuit gives you his purpose. His purpose is only found in his presence. Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and comfort me. Psalm 27, 4, one thing I ask of the Lord. One thing I ask of the Lord. The thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. Isaiah 43, 2. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. Oh. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. So when his purpose, right, the purpose, the pursuit into purpose is his presence, but it is not without persecution, problems, and pain. The closer you get to God, projectors start to go out. <laughs> Jeremiah 15, 18. Why then does my suffering continue? This is Jeremiah saying, you're not going to be without suffering and pain. Why is my wound so incurable? Your help seems uncertain as an, a seasonal brook like a spring that has gone dry. Jeremiah is saying, where are you? Where are you? Some of you are feeling it this morning, persecution, problems, and pain, and you're saying, where are you, God? Jeremiah is saying, you're going to feel it. 
But here's the promise from Jesus, John 16, 33. I have told you this so you have my peace now. Here on earth you may have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. Take heart because I've overcome the world. Let your persecution, problems, and pain push you into prayer and prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14. But the one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. See, prophecy isn't just about foretelling this thing in the future. It's about foretelling what is now. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. Tongues is not a bad thing. But one who speaks of God, a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more so, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets. Okay, so there's a structure in there. But Hebrews 4, 16 says this about prayer, right? Let us boldly come to the throne of God's grace. We will receive his mercy and find grace for help in our time of need. So your prayer and prophecy are going to push you into further his promises. What are the promises of God? I can speak about a bunch of them, but I'm going to tell you what God says about his promise. Not a single one of the good promises of the Lord has been given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. And I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until the final day when Jesus comes back again. James says this, whatever is good and perfect is gift coming down from God, our Father, who created the lights of heaven. He never changes. He never casts a shifting shadow. Now, now we get into the nitty-gritty. The prayer and prophecy, what is proclaimed? You proclaim and you rest upon the promises and you will receive his power. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. Isaiah says he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Second Timothy says this, for God has not given you a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Now, friends, his power gives you the propulsion to praise and experience peace. Philippians 4, starting at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. What is he? He is right here, right now. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts, your minds, in Christ. See, the Lord told me to pursue him this year. And thanks to a really good pastor, you all know, um, you know, last name's Hurst, uh, <clears throat> clarifying this, kind of get, helping me to, to see that 2020, that my pursuit brought purpose, brought presence, brought persecution, problems, and pain. This year's been tough. It's still in it. But there was prayer and prophecy, promises, pro power, and the thing that I asked God for were three things. Give me gratitude, give me contentment, and give me peace. 
And because I had the peace of God, that storm came and I received it. Yeah, it stung a little, but I received it. I tell you as a witness, my testimony is this. I am at peace in the most problematic place of my life right now. What does that mean? Friends, you've been waiting, patiently or impatiently, I don't know. You've been waiting. You've been waiting for something. You've been waiting for the now. You've been waiting for the moment. And friends, I'll tell you this right now, the wait is over. The wait is over. The year is over. The time for waiting is completely over. Why? Look what Jesus is doing for you now. Look for what Jesus is doing. Can you see it? Can you feel it? Do you want more of it? Do you want more of it? Do you want more of him? Behold, he's doing a new thing. Now is your consolation in Jesus. Now is your salvation in Jesus. 2024 is a year of redemption for you. 2024 is a year of redemption for you. It is your year of redemption. It's your year of restoration. What you find in Jesus today could be the very thing that somebody else is waiting for from you. When you receive this, you get to be what? You get to be part of that lighthouse. You get to be part of that light. Jesus came to be a light not only to Israel but to the Gentiles, which means everybody. Simeon uses these very words. Simeon receives and embraces Jesus physically. Now is your moment to receive and embrace Jesus right here, right now. Do not go into 2024 without Jesus. Do not go into the moments that are ahead without Jesus. Jesus is waiting for you to change your perspective and attitude because he's calling you to reflect. He's calling you to reflect his light. Friends, I tell you this, there's no better opportunity than the present. We're about to receive communion. And within our tradition, we're Lutherans, sort of. (laughs) Within our tradition, we hold that these tangible elements, these tangible elements of the bread and the wine, paired with the word of God and faith, is a physical thing that happens. It's a physical thing, so there is no better time than to receive Jesus and what he has for you. Receive his consolation. Because some of you need that encouragement right now. Receive his salvation. Some of you have been walking on the fence. What are you waiting for? Time for you to receive the redemption, the restoration that he has promised when you receive him. So as you take communion this morning, as you step into this, this elements of grace, this, this, this space, this holy place of space set apart. Receive. 
what it is he has for you. Open your fists. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, what more do we have to say but it's you? It's you, Jesus. All of you, the totality of God's consolation, salvation, and redemption, it is you, Jesus. And as we take this moment, Lord, to come in and receive the elements, or receive that time, or, or just come at the altar, or, or stay wherever it is, whatever it is, Lord, that we are here, we want to open our hands. Help us open our hands, our fists, to receive what you have for us this morning. That we may leave 2023 behind and step into 2024 renewed, restored, redeemed. Do what you need to do in us, Lord Jesus, so that you may do what you want through us. In Jesus' name, amen. for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.